today, I've got Tom Amend, one of the first keyboard maestros to be on the Rickshaw Live and roll with it. The Rickshaw Live is a pedal-powered live performance soundstage that specializes in launching close contact between music makers and a crowd, sometimes from a street, plaza, or sidewalk, or here from the Podmosphere, where we chat with the makers. Come join us as we roll with it. Hello, Tom. How are you doing? I'm doing great, Tim. How are you? Very good. Uh, before we started talking, we were looking back at some pictures of you playing with Patrick Atwater on Little Old Ricky back in 2015 in June. As I recall, it was a kind of a very sunny, fairly warm day. And uh, we just took off out of the parking lot. Actually, in retrospect, that was one of the very first gigs that the Rickshaw Live ever rolled. If you did, I don't know if you knew that, but I it didn't was, know that. No. Yeah, so uh, we had the, the Alesis keyboard that Matt Smiley donated, and I think uh, Patrick was possibly playing this the Dean Stick bass that we equipped the rig with, and we just had the little Electro Voice speakers and. Uh, Corey from uh, Ace Gillette's was the captain, and away we went up and down college for, I don't know, I guess an hour or so. <laughs> That's what I remember. <laughs> did you, do, you have any, do you have any recollections of, of that experience? Yeah, well, man, that was um, so much fun and a while ago at this point. But uh, yeah, I just, um, it's fun. It's so great to see everybody's faces when, you know, we're rolling rolling down the street in this bike, you know, playing jazz music. That's, you know, where else does that happen? You know, I can't, I can't think of anything really quite like that. I love the, the thing that happens as a venue. It's kind of different because, you know, it's like in a regular fixed venue, the crowd is stationary mostly and you're stationary. And so things are you know, kind of static and uh, nothing too unpredictable happens. And on the Rickshaw Live, you're in motion and the crowd, whether they want to be or not, are in motion because you're moving past them. And right. and the great thing, too, is that, um, uh, you know, sometimes when we stop, people will come up and walk around you while you're playing and they get sure. really close to you. And it's I don't know. For for me, watching it has been such a sense of joy seeing their appreciation of like the physicality uh, that goes into making music, and yet also the seeming effortlessness that you guys show as you're doing it. And then what's always been fun for me is to actually watch you guys' reaction too to these people because. You know, they're like walking around and smiling and you're looking at them and you're smiling. And it's like, <laughs> right. it's like smiles all around. Well, it's hard not to, man. I mean, what a, what a trip that is, you know? Um, yeah, I guess if, if we're making it look, look effortless, then I, you know, I feel bad for the, for the captains. Cause that's, that's a lot of weight to pull, man. <laughs> well, you know, we did have to make some adjustments there over the years. And of course, Ricky being the the first rig, really the prototype, she served us up a quite a few lessons of uh, mechanical malfunction. 
And, uh, you know, I've talked to uh, John and Jeff uh, on other podcasts on here about the things that Ricky would throw at us. But, you know, it's a kind of amazing. I look back and counted up the number of gigs that we rolled over that about a three-year period. And it was about 70, which is... That's amazing. It's amazing. I mean, it's... I mean, it's just amazing that the rig kind of held up. What's really amazing too, though, is that that Matt, kind of as my my talent curator, was able to pull together such an eclectic uh, bunch of players um, and really expose the people along you know College Avenue in Fort Collins, Colorado, to such a mix of talent and music and enjoyment. Just really neat. Sure. Boy, I think that's one of my favorite things about Matt as a person, you know, and, um, you know, he's, uh, when I started, I moved to Colorado in 2013 and started playing Ace Gillette's, um, right around that time. And that's when I met Matt and started playing with him a fair amount. And, um, like right away he was, he was introducing me to all these folks that I hadn't met or hadn't played with. And I think that's just a special, special thing about our friend, Matt Smiley. So indeed, where did you move from? I moved from Riverton, Wyoming. Okay. And yep. you, that's still really in the ecosphere of uh, of Northern Colorado music, right? I mean, there's stuff in Laramie and... Yeah, Riverton's a little bit more north. We're kind of right in the middle of the state. So, you know, five hours, six hours from here. So I really didn't get down to Denver too much um, other than a trip here, here and there. But Now tell me, I mean, Riverton is... I just remember there's a big mountain. I think it's Elk Mountain south of Riverton. Is that right? Uh, that's that's so Elk Mountain is on I-80 between oh, Rollins and Laramie. That's right. So it's right. on the way home for oh, sure. Oh, that's right. That's right. So that's pretty extraordinary that you got such a fruitful launch as a musician from Riverton, or is it? I mean, is Riverton uh, you know known for music production, or are you in aberration? Uh, not not necessarily um i'm really fortunate i grew up in a real a uh, very musical family uh my dad is a keyboard player and a singer and uh, you know has he writes music prog rock and that kind of thing and wow. so my brother and i have an older brother who's a saxophonist and um we both grew up playing in my dad's classic rock band so nice <laughs> um so that was that was a big part of my upbringing um but i mean beyond that you know, there, you know, I was in school band and everything, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot happening. There were a few really great um, jazz festivals. There's the Kinzer Jazz Festival in Casper for many years, and the Northwest Jazz Festival in Powell, Wyoming. Um, and so I met and heard a lot of great musicians through that, growing up in high school and middle school. And um, you know, that's I, that's where I met some of the folks at UNC. Uh, and Greeley, and that's, you know, what kind of made me come down this direction. Well, you are an incredibly talented player, and really notably so. Did did the time at UNC really take your skill set and, uh, and what it takes to make such high-grade music up that many notches? Oh, absolutely. Um, man, I mean, I felt like I learned so much being in school and um, and being at UNC in particular, it's, it's such a special combination of, uh, really great student musicians and peers, you know, it's like I was fresh out of high school and playing with all, 
you know, all of some of my best friends now, but, you know, folks that are several years older than me. And, you know, that's just, I'm convinced the best way to learn how to play music is just to play with people that are pushing you and, and have something to share with you. So, you know, that combination of those, a really talented student group and um, such great teachers, you know, I, um, really grateful for all my mentors and teachers at that school. Um, yeah, you know, and I think just being in school, your um, part of the deal is you're, you're, you're pushed into a lot of these opportunities that might not happen otherwise, which is, you know, um, just that the act of preparing for whatever these opportunities may be is such a process, such a part of that process of, you know, uh, working on cultivating our musicianship, you know, so. The UNC is, I guess, in a way, maybe just part of the picture, but there is such a ecosystem of musical talent in Northern Colorado that, I mean, I don't think I'm wrong in saying that it's, it's really striking, the concentration of, of amazing players in that area. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, um, you know, something as you know, Ace Gillette's, that was such a um, really special gig for so many of us. And, you know, um, I feel really lucky to have, you know, UNC isn't just the only thing that I, you know, my, my only place where I learned, right. Um, you know, it's, it's, I was so fortunate to get to play, um, at a lot of these places in Northern Colorado, Jays and, um, you know, the Moxie and Greeley and, um, really get to develop, uh, what it's like to be working and playing gigs uh, regularly on a regular basis. So, how did that change in uh, in early 2020 with the pandemic? Yeah, um, well, I mean, for me, like um, for most folks, I think it's um, you know it took a real dip towards the beginning of the year and when things were pretty shut down. Um, but I was I was real fortunate. Uh, to be working a good amount this summer, there was um, just it was it was a lot of different gigs, you know, that I'd never done before. Um, lots of places working on um, getting music outside. You know, I did a lot of outdoor concerts. Um, you know, of course, the live stream thing from various locations has become a big big part of that as well. But. Uh, Fortunately, you know, it's been, um, there's, you know, Dazzle and Nocturne and Denver are open up. Jays is open. I'm playing at Jays in April, you know. So nice. There's, there's lots of stuff is starting to come back, it seems like. So that's really uh, promising. There is going to be such a appetite among aficionados for live music consumption that you guys are going to have to work 24 <laughs> 7 to meet the demand that's all right with me man i'll, I'll play every day <laughs> it's going to be pretty exciting uh i just can't wait to get there what yeah. uh what kind of big projects have you worked on uh, during this time in terms of having some time in the studio sure um well i was uh fortunate enough to receive a grant through pathways to jazz um, the folks at the Boulder County Arts Alliance um, for this past year, for 2020, um, to record a, uh, a CD of my octet. So that's that's a five horn. Um, we've got, you know, 
trumpet trombone and three woodwinds as well as organ trio so organ hammond organ uh guitar and drums wow and so yeah so that's that record is out now that's called heliotrope very Um, nice that's on all of the streaming services you can buy it on my website um and so that's we did that record in uh we recorded that in at the end of october um at mighty fine studios down in denver and um I was, that was just such a, a really special process. It's uh, all, so many of my best friends are on that recording and, you know, it's just really special listening back and, you know, um, really kind of working on the mixes and everything, just how much uh, musicianship and life these musicians brought to this music. So I'm really excited about it and excited for folks to hear it. Uh, but that's kind of been the big project of the year for me. So what was the the process like in terms of assembling and creating that? Yeah. Um, well, I've always, uh, I guess since I've left school in school, you know, you're just surrounded by so many musicians all the time and you can kind of put together these little projects here and there and write things for different folks and, um, do that pretty easily. Um, but you know, once I left school, there's, that's not really built into um, the design anymore. So I was kind of missing that outlet to compose and write music for, um, you know, a, a somewhat larger ensemble, you know, because um, I, I did a lot of that kind of writing while I was in school and then um, didn't do a lot of that since I got out. So that was kind of the impetus behind creating this group is um, just a chance to, try different sounds and see how many how many different um vibes i can get out of uh just a a few folks did you have the the actual compositions created from prior work that you assembled for that recording or did you work on that kind of in real time some of some of all of it yeah um a couple tunes were older songs that i um kind of reimagined and orchestrated for this group uh, a couple were brand new for this project. Uh, as always, I feel like with um, almost any any composer I talk to feels similarly. It's it's sometimes it's tough to start that until you have a deadline, you know. So I was you know um, you know booked the band about a month before the studio date, and then everything started to come into focus. It's like okay, these musicians are going to be on it. How can I feature everyone in in a way that uh, really highlights their strengths? You know, and um, so that was, uh, yeah, you know, some of all of that process. You know, music coming from all sorts of places. What is the the technical way that you capture the composition and then, you know, um, copy it and, and give it to the players that are going to be with you on the piece? How do you do that? Sure. Um, well, and, and again, I was, um, you know, we had a lot of time on our hands this year. So I was really trying, uh, a lot of different kind of paths through that whole process. So, um, you know, I ended up, of course, at the end, I, you know, wrote charts for, um, all of the final orchestrations, but a couple of the tunes I actually composed, um, just recording all the parts myself, oh. you know, like a demo. Um, and so, uh, and then 
write go learn all of those parts that I recorded and write those out. So a couple came about that way. You know, another one was uh, a big band uh, tune that I wrote uh, for um, Eric Richards' big band, who was uh, up in uh, Sheridan, Wyoming. And so I kind of downsized that from the real big band to the slightly smaller big band. So, you know, it's it's uh, it kind of came all over the place. And a couple were just tunes that I had um, played with other folks around town and just kind of expanded. So, yeah. What, um, what do you think this time that you've had because of the pandemic, this is like a kind of historic in terms of its impact on the world and the country and individuals. How do, how do you sort of see it impacting your trajectory as a, as a person, as a musician, as a composer, as a, as a music maker? What, what did this do? This is like a very weird time to have in your, in your history block. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, and especially kind of as we're starting to hopefully be on the other side of it, um, I'm, I'm realizing more and more just you, uh, how special music is and how, how easy it is to take for granted. And, um, and, you know, I think music fans are feeling the same way, you know, like you said, everybody's going to be itching to get out there and hear live music. And when I've, when I have gotten to play this year, it's been a lot of that, a real deep appreciation and genuine appreciation for, uh, the music from folks that come out and hear it. So that's, that's really special. And man, I mean, I, something I've been really thinking about a lot is just, uh, trying to abandon the fear for anything related to music. There's just, there's not time or energy for that. So that's kind of what I've been, uh, I guess would be a takeaway from this craziness is just, uh, any it's the world is too crazy not to try something musically. So so that's, that's kind of, you know, did it give you like some, some bookends uh, for a block of time to do something that you would have never done before just because of what it was? Uh, absolutely, man. I actually, um, my mother-in-law let me borrow her, uh, her flute. So I've been, (laughs) I've been playing a lot of flute this year. So, and that's, that's definitely something I wouldn't have had time for, but I've been, been loving that. That's been a blast. Fantastic. Crazy just twists of time and fate. Well, I want to play a little bit of music off your Heliotrope album. And uh, the the song I thought we would listen to is Calm Down. And then you can just kind of talk us through it after we listen to a bit of it and uh, tell us uh, all about the production and what went into that. Thank you. 
I just, <laughs> it's so hard to stop listening to it. There's so much going on. And uh, when I first listened to it, and I thought, well, the title is Calm Down, but it starts off kind of frenetic. And then you kind of hit that guitar piece where it sort of juxtaposes back down, and you really do calm down in the tempo. It's it's really nice. I like it. Oh, thank you, Tim. Yeah. Excellent choice for something for us to listen to and talk about. Wow. Uh, so many instrument parts there, though. And yeah. and you wrote the pieces, and, and you said you actually played them all yourself before you brought in the players. Uh, n- not on this one. Not on that tune. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, but, yeah, I was just, like I said, you know, I was the goal with this uh, record, I was really trying to think of all of the different textures and sounds I could get out of these eight people, you know, and, wow. and these eight people were really, um, you know, all of them are, are so talented and in, in offering a lot of different sounds, you know, so all the woodwind folks, you know, Joel Harris played Barry and flute and uh, tenor sax and Daryl Gott played soprano and alto sax John Gunther played clarinet, bass clarinet, and tenor, you know, so you get all these lots of different orchestrational options, you know, with with great musicians that can play a lot of different horns, so. It's amazing. I feel so bad not listening to the whole thing and seeing everybody get a chance to show their stuff, but that's just what the listeners of of our podcast and your album get to do, is to go explore that more fully. Sure. Well, tell me what's in store for the rest of 2021. We're just kind of getting started here in March. And um, what, what's it looking like? Yeah, um, well, I'm, I just, uh, I teach one day a week at UNC, um, teach some private students. And so doing that. Um, and I also am just, you know, playing whenever I can, whenever anybody asks me to play. Um, and let's see, this summer... I've got a an organ trio with uh, Jack Robin, who's the guitarist on that record, and um, Alejandro Castaño, who's a great drummer in Denver. Uh, so, we um, we've got an organ trio, and we're planning to do some recording this summer. And, Fantastic! Um, got a couple shows lined up, so oh. that's the only thing really you know that I that I'm aware of yet for the calendar year. Coming. Well, you know when the when the crazy lid gets peeled off of this thing and people start demanding more and more then the phone will ring and you will be on tap. I would imagine. Well, I hope so, man. There's a lot of music to hear out there. So, and a lot of ready ears. Yep. Well, Tom, I appreciate so much for you taking some time to chat and update us on your latest creations. And we look forward to hearing more of you in 2021. And um, I look forward to coming to listen to you live one of these days and getting you back on the Rickshaw Live. Perhaps we can stream one of your live performances from the Moving Rickshaw. That sounds so amazing. Thank you so much for having me, Tim. You're welcome. You have a good day and take care. Likewise. Thanks for joining the Rickshaw Live podcast. Be sure to subscribe to stay on our trajectory. And until you hear us again, stay safe.